Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned after the Torah study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We are back. It is our survey of the scriptures. We are in Shemot. We are in Shemot chapter 9. And we're just going to dive right in. I'll, I'll preface this by saying we're in the middle of the plagues. We've got, I don't know, four or five more to go before we get to the last plague. And uh, I don't know that I will read every single word here. Again, this is a survey. We've been reading every word, but we just came through Passover. Um, everybody is familiar with this, but we, we will see. Yahweh said unto Moshe, go in unto Paro and tell him, thus says Yahweh, the Elohim of the Ivrim, the God of the Hebrews. Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and will hold them still, behold, the hand of Yahweh is upon your cattle, which are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, the flocks. It shall be a very grievous moraine. What you got, Joe? I was just going to ask if you would blow that up please so we can oh yeah i'm getting old man i i, I thought it was a new thing so i just left it alone <laughs> it is a new thing but thank you sir yeah that is better but i can see go ahead all right you gotta get you gotta get these 60 year old eyes <laughs> i just thought i'd try using the website because it might be easier to navigate a little bit okay until i need recut a shop and Yahweh shall make a division between the cattle of Israel and of the cattle of Mitzrayim, and there shall be none. So I want to look at this, verse 4. Hifla Yahweh ben Miknei Yisrael. Hifla. He will divide, separate between the cattle of Mitzrayim, and there, there shall nothing die of all that belongs to Bnei Yisrael. And Yahweh appointed a set time, verse 5. Pretty uh, mm -hmm. strange word, hey? Hmm. That's a meeting time. That's an appointment. Right. God put it in his date book. Mm -hmm. The time that this was going to happen. Tomorrow, Yahweh shall do this thing in the land. In other words, I believe the implication of that is, is if God wrote it in his calendar, it's going to be done. There's nothing you can do to undo it. It's not tentative. It's on his clock. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. That's what I believe Moed means. Is we're done. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, nothing is about to change this. And Yahweh appointed a set time tomorrow. Yahweh shall do this thing in the land. And he did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle of Mitzrayim died, but the cattle of Bnei Israel, not one died. That's the fled, the, the separation that he did. Mm-hmm. And Parot sent, and behold, there was not so much as one of the cattle of Israelim dead, but the heart of Parot was stubborn, and he did not let the people go. There, it's not, um, it's Kabed, Vayichbad. So it's heavy, it's not strong, oh, okay. and it's not difficult. It's, it's rooted in the word heavy. Uh, so it got translated as stubborn. So that's okay, Gala. 
Um, Yama said in the Moshe and under Aharon, take to you handfuls of soot of the furnace and let Moshe throw it heavenward in the sight of Paro. And it shall become small dust over all the land of Mitzrayim and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Mitzrayim. So they did that. The magicians could not stand before Moshe because of the boils. They were upon the magicians and all of Egypt and Yahweh strengthened <laughs> the heart of Paro and he hearkened not. So here is where Yahweh actually does the strengthening of Pharaoh's heart. That's a little different than him being stubborn, right? Right. Ayechazek, Yahweh. So the, the verb is done by Elohim, by God, not by Pharaoh. Are you with me? Yeah. It's not hardened in the way that we think about it. What do you think about when we say he's got a hard heart? Stubborn. Stubborn. Yeah. Uncaring and like uncaring no and callous. Uncaring yeah. and callous. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what no I feeling. Think. Yeah. No feeling, no emotion, just mechanical. All right. That's a little different to me than God strengthened his heart. All right. And in other translations, all of these are hardened. Every last one of them. And I think that's a disservice, quite honestly. God bless you. Because I think people tend to put all the blame on Pharaoh, either on Pharaoh or on God for what happened here. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's a bit of a shared experience here where Pharaoh sometimes is the one just being stubborn. Uh and then in other cases god is having to push him through this or he'd quit at the wrong time you with me yeah so with this strengthening though it's it's more or less like like a a, like an encouraging kind of thing like that's what i mean god's pushing him through it he's god's helping him get through it so it goes to fruition so it so everything gets accomplished and that goes back to what we talked about in Job, where God is in control of all of this, and a lot of people can't wrap their heads around it, where free will can be involved with a God like that. So how is free will involved in this? Because he's deciding to act on remembering, look, I'm Pharaoh. I'm, this, this can't happen to me. It's, you know, it's his will to follow through with that. Is that what you're talking about? Well, you're going to have something you want to do, but if you're afraid, you might not do it. Meaning by taking away his fear, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If he took away his fear to oppose God, then he might have just, he might, he might have, he would be more willing to oppose him. Or his arrogance Uh, strengthened his arrogance. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the point I'm trying to get at is the condition of Pharaoh's heart. You know, do you think that he knew that it was God giving him strength to do that? No, definitely not. I think the the courage that God gave him to get through it, he he surmised was his own and he rocked on with it instead of repenting. Mm. He didn't have a repentant heart. There was no repentance in the man. So when that he word, found courage, he thought it was his own, and he just rocked with it. 
Is is that the word that we use when we finish reading a scripture, the uh, Torah por uh, uh, a chapter, uh, a book in the scriptures? Chazak. Okay, it's chazak. It's a hard A on the end. Chazak. Yes, it's the exact same word. Chazak. Be strong, be strong. May we be strengthened. Absolutely, it's the same word. And. Excuse me. The thing that I'm pointing out is that the verb is associated with God's name and not Pharaoh. God's the one that gave him the strength to do this. All right. But again, I submit to you that he didn't know it was God doing it. He thought he was just a strong man. Mm. All right. Okay. Yahweh told Moshe, rise up early in the morning and go stand before Paro and say unto him, thus says Yahweh the Elohim of the Ivrim, God of Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me, for I will this time send all my plagues upon your person, upon your servants, your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. So, so far he's been touching their gods, right? Mm -hmm. Everything they worship, everything they cherish everything they bow down to God has now manipulated and because Pharaoh found a little strength he hasn't relented so God is saying all right buddy surely now I would have put forth my hand and smitten you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth but in very deed for this cause have I made you to stand he told him I made you to stand mm -hmm. And he still, Pharaoh, Moshe told that to Pharaoh. Pharaoh heard it and had the proof of however many plagues it's been so far and still didn't understand that his strength came from God himself. Mm -hmm. There's a verse in, the, in Deuteronomy that says, I give you the power to get wealth. Right. And yet so many people... I made this with my own hands. I did this with my own hands. I, I'm here. In the earth. Right. And you know, with, with, with the arrogance, you can't, you, you, he can't do that because, you know, he's puffed up. You know, he's right. powerful. So. That's right. He thinks that he's just a strong man and he's going to get through this. But he doesn't realize God's doing it. So Moshe's telling him, I made you to stand. Yeah. Show you my power. I'm getting you through this, you little punk. <laughs> you know, you're going to find out who I am. And I just saw your friend saying, You're God. <laughs> God is not a God. <laughs> <laughs> that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Hello. Yes. That my name may be declared throughout all the earth. So let's talk about what's going on in the earth at this time. We are 400 years removed from Abraham going to Egypt his first time, which is 400-ish years removed from Noah, which is 1,000 years from Adam. All right, so we're, we're, we might be 800 years removed from the flood. I'd have to do the math. I'm not in the mood to do math right now, but give or take. 
800 to 1,000 years removed from the flood. Is everybody good with that? Okay. And people have already forgotten the name of Yah again. Even though you go to any region of the world and they have a flood story. They didn't attach his name mm -hmm. to it. They forgot him. They attributed it to some other god. They attributed mm -hmm. it to their pagan deities. They, they put the hand of God, in the power of God, into the hands of these demigods that, that were created by men because of demons. All right? I want you to understand that's where the earth is at this time, and Elohim is saying that my name may be declared. I wonder why people are so reluctant, both Jewish and Christian people, are so reluctant to declare this name. Man, that's true. On both sides. Mm -hmm. On both sides. They're reluctant to declare his name. And the whole purpose of the Passover was yes. to do this. Wow. Yes. That's the whole purpose. Oh, my. Yes. The whole yeah. purpose. Yes, it was to redeem his people. But he was making a people that would bear his name. Yes. Mm -hmm. And declare his name to the nations. Mm -hmm. to, me, to me and maybe you know but people are going to think i'm just way off and ignorant myself but to me that's basic bible right there yeah and in the english-speaking world they kind of understand that but they're comfortable just calling him lord when you've got lords all over england and you've got every deity in the world wanting right. to be called lord yeah it's his name that he's interested in. Thus says Yahweh, says Moshe. Moshe is standing there saying, thus says Yahweh. And you'll hear prophets today, so says the Lord, thus saith the Lord. All right? Okay, big deal. Which Lord? Right? Yeah. That would hit a thousand times harder if they were declaring his name and speaking those scriptures. That's right. It would, oh yes. It it, it would be it, it's almost it's it's almost a paradigm shift. It's not quite a paradigm shift because some people actually know who God is, but I'm submitting to you, many people don't even know who he is. They're just that, parroting things they've heard other people say, and that yeah. adds intimacy to it. You know, oh an authority, a greater authority. That that too, a great authority. But but even the intimacy of knowing him by Yah, yeah. I will be what I will be. You know, it's like I if I know you as Daniel the rabbi, you know, I. But if I know you as Daniel, my friend, you know, I, whatever words come after that, you know, it's 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 the meaning of. You know that relationship, yeah, is I will be what I will be. So that's to me. I, you yeah. just, I just take it personal when I can say the name. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I would like it and not to be trite, but you can liken it to a child saying a child who knows his dad is the king. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My dad is King King George, and you better do what I say you know, be the child of an adult or, a, or an infant, you know, he's confident in his dad's name. Yes. Yeah. And that's uh, us. That's, that's us. That's right. So that ought to be how we think about it. And, and so it just blows my mind that both 
of the Abrahamic religions, which understand, at least in speech, the creator of the scripture of, of the world. And, and, and they read this and on the Christian side, they don't say it because they think capital L capital O capital R capital D is his name. It's his name. yeah. <laughs> and it's not, they're comfortable just, even when they learn that it is not his name, they feel weird saying it, yeah. you know, or they're, or they listen to the other side of the pendulum and that's the Jewish side where they say, we're not allowed to say his name. That's taking it in vain. And that's not what taking his name, his name in vain is. No, it's not. And God is expressly saying to Pharaoh here, I want my name declared in the earth and you're going to know it. All right. And I believe that has to be part of the message in the end time. We're about to go through far worse than these 10 plagues. And the whole world is, it's not just Egypt going through them this time. It's going to be the whole dang world. <laughs> and they need to hear his name, in my opinion. And until people start declaring it, no one's, no one's going to listen. And then Pippa, come here. Even, even those who are listening now, they're just, Thank you. they're just ignoring the fact and, they, and they're, they're, they're persecuting people who are saying his name just like they did the prophets. Y'all alive? Yeah. Yes. It's, a, it's like some sort of delusion because Abba makes it clear over and over and over again. Yeah. And the fact that they actually came up with hints, you know, thoughts saying he said don't do that. It's no commandment where he said don't do it. It's opposite. Exactly. If I could think of where it is, I could show you how they tweak the blaspheming the name scripture and in the English, and I'm talking about our Jewish people, how they tweak the English translations to where it's, it makes the Jewish people believe that they're actually not supposed to say the name. They actually write that into their English translation, even though the Hebrew is abundantly clear that that's not what it's saying. It's just saying, don't misuse his name. It's not saying, don't say it. Mm. Is that the vain part in the, in the, in the, uh, I think, I think it is. Yeah, the I think it is. Uh, well, yeah, that may be where it is. Let's go look right quick. It's just crazy how, how, how many people have taken it upon themselves to add things in the word and to, to, to take stuff out and just brazenly do that like that's i don't know because I, I get where betsy was coming from the delusion of people to not say his name that's that's the one thing and then on the other hand you have so many translations that hide his name yep so let's look so that's at exodus that's yeah i know i found it I, I knew where to go for that okay i'm just looking to call up another translation okay just curious has anybody ever considered when they pray when people pray in your name we pray so okay. that is really a white sheet where you can whose name right and are they yeah. are they afraid to call to call him god yeah are they afraid to just confess to only the one and only god i often wonder because it's almost like a politically correct way for someone to pray not to offend anybody if that makes sense right right yeah it doesn't make but but yeah or they say in your son's name 
Yes. In your son's name we pray. Well, whose son? Osiris said a son. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, this one is actually pretty solid at Mechon Mamre, which is the JPS 1917 edition. So it was actually pretty good. But I think more modern Jewish translations actually tweak that. Or it's another verse where they tweak it and make it basically say, don't say his name. I, I don't want to have to, I don't want to beat that to death, but it is done. Um, but it still holds true exactly what, what Eva said, just generalizing and saying in your name or in the name of your son without using the name. Mm -hmm. I, I'm wondering why, if that's not partly why the congregations of God have lost their authority because they don't understand where, where, exactly the authority is coming from and that's from understanding mm -hmm. intimately who god is not on a level but on an intimate level and he wants us to communicate his name i think right yeah and, and that we've got that verse what is his name and what is his son's name exactly and the name just doesn't cut it the name it's, it's... No, you can name anybody basically you can fill in any blank you could say uh, his name is uh, Shiva or whatever. You can, if you don't call him out by his name, it can be anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> All right. Where were we? Around nine sixteen. Yeah. But in, every, in very deed, for this cause have I made you to stand to show you my power that my name may be declared through all. As yet, you exalt yourself against my people that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time, I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as has not been seen. All right. Send, hasten in your cattle and all that you have in the field for every man and beast that shall be found in the field. They brought their cattle into their homes. Made the cattle to flee into their houses. And that might be into the houses of the cattle. But I've never known cattle to be shelters to be called houses, but it could be. But he that regarded not the word of Yahweh, the Devar Yahweh, left his servants and his cattle in the field. And of course they got pelted. <laughs> and 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 once again, Israel is not touched. That's right. I mean, I, I'm sorry, not Israel, but uh, where, where were they at? Um, Goshen. Goshen. Only in the land of Goshen, where B'nai, well, you were right, because the people were not touched. Only in the land of Goshen, where B'nai Israel were, was there no hail. And Paro sent and called for Moshe and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. So it might, <laughs> it, it might look like he's beginning to repent. You know, uh, it sounds like, you know, how a person is like, let me just go along with this, just kind of, just kind of appease them. Okay, okay, yeah, maybe I, maybe I did do something wrong. You know, let's compromise it, you know, without giving in. Exactly. So it looks like he's capitulating, but in reality, and I think that's why Tracy said that, is we know he's not, you know, it's, it's mm. lip service to God. And I personally think this is where a lot of people who think they are believers, I think that's where they are. Is in their yeah. mind, they think they've repented, 
And it's weird because I was just thinking about this today on the way home. I, I want, I want utter repentance and complete 100% turnaround on my part for everything I've ever done. Yeah. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't want to leave anything on the slate, not dealt with, you know, yep. I want God to know that I understand my need of him, you know, from, from eternity past and from here going forward, you know, yeah. and, yeah. And, and I was thinking about it, and I, I certainly believe that true repentance is not being taught. That one fellow that I had that conversation about Trinity with, um, he, he teaches people that repentance is just saying you're sorry for your sins and believing that Jesus died. That's repentance. And way up on the surface, there is some truth in that. That's dangerous too, because it doesn't bring any contrition and it doesn't confront the sin. They just go on in their same estate most of the time. They might quit one or two things, but they never deal with the issue that's way down on the inside. I don't think there's a lot of genuine turning from sin going on in a lot of cases. And, and this is what I'm getting ready to say. They're not even embracing just the word repentance and what it means by itself. That's what I'm saying is he's teaching it to be just say you're sorry. Forgiveness and not yeah. turning. Exactly. No turnaround, no mm-hmm. transformation, no mm-hmm. life imparting change, no, no contrition over sin. We have to bring people to a place where they fear God and his punishment for their having been so selfish all their lives and not seeking the truth, not seeking God, not being, not endeavoring to be righteous, and their offenses against other human beings. That's the second part of repentance I don't think people think about. And Yeshua taught it. If you don't forgive your brother, you're not forgiven. You know, in First Thessalonians 4, I was reading, you know, the first, the first few uh, verses, and it talks about, um, he said, you know, I've, I've taught you, in, in the Lord Yeshua, that um, you 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 ought to live, you know, with your vessel unto unto God, you know, in His mitzvah, and and then it talks about um, treating your brother with brotherly love and things like that. But it it says you already know that you know you should abstain from certain things, and doing this will increase you more and more, and. And it just hit me because everybody wants to look at the New Testament as this new thing, but yet and still it keeps saying, but the mitzvah, but the mitzvah, you know? So you got to go back to the foundation to know what the mitzvah is. You know, you you got to go to that foundation, but you have to go there. You can't just mm-hmm. vicariously live your life any kind of way, you know, and that, and that struck out to me and it just... Yeah, I, I just wish people who were just going to read the New Testament to say, look, there's something else going on here. We're not getting it all. <laughs> yeah. And so you have, a, a, I believe what we're seeing here is a surface form of repentance here. I have sinned. He acknowledged it, but he didn't repent of it. Mm-hmm. I've sinned. Okay, so he does say that, and there are many believers that say that, mm-hmm. but there's I no turning from saying. it. There's no turning from it, all right? And he did it 
this guy did it to make a deal. And I've actually seen people do that before with God. They make a deal with God. And then when it doesn't go their way, I guess he thinks God is going to relent from the whole shebang. Right. Right. You know, and, and, uh, not require his people anymore. Oh, I've, okay. Forgive me. I've sinned. So God's just going to say, okay, my people can stay with you and you can enslave them and, and, and mistreat them. <laughs> you know? Uh, so there's no real contrition here. All right. right. Only yeah, in the I think it's of- important. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's important that you pointed out all those things out and, and, and especially how you were talking about when it comes to God strengthening his heart to keep following through with those things. Cause I think there is that idea out there that um, God in some way violated his will. And you know what I'm saying? And that's not the case. He knew his heart all along. God knew his heart and God knew that he would have to strengthen him to push him through, to get him to the end of it. But at any point, Pharaoh could have genuinely repented but he didn't pay yeah. God lip service. And a lot of mm. people do that. Oh, please forgive me. There are people that I have known and know that pray every night, forgive me of my sins. And then turn around yeah. the next day and do the same exact thing over again. Yeah. You know, and there's no contrition. There's no strive striving to move toward God and to live out the righteousness that they most of them don't understand the righteousness that's been imparted to them. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think the number of people who actually believe is smaller than the, than the confessed people that we have in the world. Yeah. That's the place you don't want to be. Um, no. Asking, asking for forgiveness. Uh, it's all, I, that's so weird. And, and I feel like I've done that myself in the past. Sure. Well, I'll ask for forgiveness, but yet I'll still go back and do something. That's a dangerous place to be because mm-hmm. it's almost like it's, it seems like that's how that's 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 how you go down the path of being turned over to a reprobate mind. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And and the, and the Holy Spirit leaving you and, and not coming back because you, yeah. you you keep going back to the stuff you claim you want to be forgiven for. It's not really like you said, there's no contrition there. And that's just, but the, the weirdness of it is for you as a believer, what you think God doesn't know your heart? I guess I, that's just, it's funny you say that something. because I read this today. I don't want to talk about it too much. Today is my fast day and, and I do that, mm-hmm. try to do that every week, but um, maybe I shouldn't have told you guys that. I think one or two of you knew, but um, because of that, I don't have it in this, on the website yet i'm working up toward it but i put a new feature in here just for your info I'm, if in psalms you can click the menorah and it takes you back to the to the chapter oh cool okay so i'll be i'll be retrofitting all the other books with that when i can but um I'm, i've got to go to here to see what i want to show you i read this today um, because I was fasting, and it is Psalm 51. And it moved on me.
against you and you only have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight, that you may be justified when you speak and be in the right when you judge. All right. So this is Melech David, King David, acknowledging that he had done wrong and his sin was grievous. Right? Mm -hmm. He committed basically manslaughter. Mm -hmm. He didn't murder Uriah, but Uriah, but it was basically manslaughter. He intended for him to die. He was hoping he would die, and he put him in harm's way to get him killed. And then he committed adultery. And he acknowledged, I have sinned against you. And then he goes back and says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in, in sin did my mother conceive me. We don't have any record of his mother being anything other than a, a mother, right? Yeah. Mm. It's because we are all born in a state, a fallen state. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so when we conceive children, those children are born into a fallen state. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. All in sin, shaped in iniquity, right? Yeah. So this, in my mind, is a picture of true repentance, this whole psalm. All right. And it's sort of maybe it shows you the process of repentance. Okay. Mm. Pleads for God to wipe out his transgressions, wash him. He acknowledges that it's God he's offended. He acknowledges that he is just a vessel of sin. He tells God, you know, I, you know, I want to be pure in my heart. I want, I want you to purge me. All right. Then he says, make me hear joy and gladness. Let me rejoice. He's sorrowful. You have my, the bones which you have crushed. Now, did God literally crush David's bones? No. No. What's he talking about? He's talking about grief, his own grief over what he did to Uriah and his adultery. All right. I think... He's grieving over what should have happened to him. Right? Mm. What's the the Torah penalty for murder? What's the Torah penalty for adultery? Death. 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 Both counts. And, And David is saying, give me joy and gladness. So he's feeling that death in his own body, I believe. I believe it's really, really grieving him what's going on. Mm -hmm. All right. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Here's here's the the kicker. Lev tahor. Create in me barali. Lev tahor. A pure heart. Create for me, oh God. Restore a ruach nachon, a right spirit, an established spirit, a righted spirit, you might say. That's his own spirit. Mm-hmm. It be fixed. All right? Renew that within me. Chadesh bekirbi. Renew it within me. All right? So, and he is a believer 
who has the Ruach HaKodesh, he is a prophet. And he is going through this repentance. Should it be any less from a sinner who hasn't known God? No. Exactly. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. David, he experienced Yeshua. Do not take your presence from me. Do not send me away from you. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Hashivali Sison Yeshecha. There's Yeshua's name right there. The joy, the rejoicing of your Yeshua. Ruach Nediva Tisnacheni. Let a willing Ruach uphold me. I believe that one is in reference to God's breath, God's spirit. Let it uphold me. All right. And, and then he acknowledges what his sin is. Mm -hmm. Blood guiltiness. We read this and we just think it's a generalization. This is specifically him confessing murder. Yeah. And then he goes on and says, you delight not in sacrifice. I guarantee you it was required of him to offer those sacrifices and he probably made them, but he knew that that was to fulfill righteousness, that it wasn't God. God didn't need his bulls and goats, right? Question. So uh -huh. at, what I just saw is because for that, at that point, death is imminent. Death was, should have been the penalty. So therefore, he's saying you know, you won't even delight in the sacri in sacrifices, else what I've given it. So I mm -hmm. I couldn't even give it to you, you know. But and that it goes back to the crushed bones, you know. What what's supposed to have happened to me, you know? I was supposed yeah. to be dead. Yeah. Well, and you're you're right. He says, else would I give it. Um. He probably would have had to go wherever the tabernacle was to offer it because the temple hadn't been made yet. Um, but wouldn't it be him offering it on his own because there was no sacrifice for murder? I mean, it would, I guess it would have just been his own statute saying, I'm going to do the sacrifice because there was no instruction to make a sacrifice for murder. Right. You're right. Mm. So... Because he delights in sacrifice. That's why I'm so glad you said, I'm sorry. It's because that, oh. that could just throw you off because back then, you know, um, of course they try to use every little part to say, oh, we don't have to do that anymore. But see, see, he don't delight in sacrifices, but this is a specific, like you said, and I didn't know that, but this is specifically about that murder. Yeah. And and it just it just brings to light and, and makes this this whole thing scripture right, you know. Not that he don't like sacrifices, because he, he requires them for some things. It's for that thing That's he didn't right. want to sacrifice. That's right. And 
this is the important part, even back then, because Paul, Shaul, Paul basically tells us our sacrifices are the praise of our lips, right? Right. Um, David says the fact the sacrifices of Elohim are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Uh -huh, uh -huh. All right. That's what God is looking for in every case, not just in the cases where there is no sacrifice, not just in the cases where the penalty is death, but in the cases where the penalty is lighter. He doesn't, even if there is a, an offering that can be made, he doesn't, he's looking for the heart behind the offerer. Amen. Amen. Right? Yep. And he says, do good in your favor to Zion, build the walls of Jerusalem, then will you delight in the sacrifices of righteousness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So God does want those things in their proper season, but first, they have to be brought by a person who has done repentance. And that's kind of the whole point that I was trying to make. Pharaoh didn't do this. He yes. didn't want to serve God. He just wanted out from under the plagues. That's all mm -hmm. he wanted. You don't want to serve God. And there's many, many people like that. They, they want out from under the plagues. They want out from under the consequences of their sin. Mm -hmm. But they don't want to serve God. They don't want their heart broken. They don't want to submit and be one of his. They want to be their own God. Pharaoh was his own God. Yeah. Right? Yep. As soon as I'm gone out of the city, I'll spread forth my hands unto Yahweh, the thunder shall cease. There'll be no more hail, that you may know that the earth belongs to Yahweh. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear Yahweh Elohim. So he, God knew ahead of time, this isn't contrition. This isn't repentance. This is lip service. I know you don't fear me, but I'm going to do it. Here's another chance. And here's a, here is a, one of those out of places scriptures. Okay. The flax and the barley were smitten. The barley was aviv, and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and the spelt were not smitten, for they ripened late. Why is that where it is? Because we just finished the hail. Yes, we would understand, but the hail was more about the beast and the people, right? God said, I'm going to touch your body, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't about striking the barley, was it? No. The hail was not about striking the barley. The hail was about striking the cattle and the people. Right. Am I right? Right. All right. So why is this there? 
because oh. that's the next place. No. Showing the season. I'll tell you the it's, time. It's a clock. Both of oh, you were right. Oh wow. It's a clock. This is telling us when this happened. It's during the barley. So that so Passover. Well, I mean, just coming up with Passover. Two weeks before this is the new year almost. This mm -hmm. is two weeks before Passover. Almost. We still got a couple plagues to go through, but but the point is. It's Aviv, so we're in the two weeks. Aviv, right. From from the first of the year to Passover. So we got two weeks left before Passover has to happen. All right. And I think I told you that I thought this began in the fall. And so what I mean by that is the whole Passover episode, the whole procedure began in the fall on Yom Teruah. Mm -hmm. And I believe it, it's taking us about six months to get through them. So I believe they were in that interim between, between seasons, from Rosh Hashanah to Passover. That's when this plague is taking place. You okay. know, it, 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 it's so important when you start pointing out certain clocks and things, because when it comes to reading this and having it in your mind, just like the altar, when we looked at, oh, a little bit of altar, but no, huge altars, you know, um, this is really showing us that uh, it's not just every day. Like, you know, you think it's like this week, next week, but it took time. So Farrell probably got real comfortable. Everybody like, okay, yeah, 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 we're good. You know, and then all of a sudden, like, boom, we got to come again. Yeah. Even in the movies, they kind of make it feel like it's just 10 days. Right. This is months. They had to take time to clean up those frogs. They had to take time, to, you know, mm. after every plague, there was some recuperation time. Then there was some warning time for the next plague. And then there were, you know, and, and I do, I believe this is taking probably either three months or six months. I think I lean toward six months. I believe, I believe that's how long this took to get through those plagues. This, I don't think it was a, uh, a quick thing at all, but what this is doing is setting the stage for the determination of Passover. Because unbeknownst to Moshe, the calendar is about to change. That's what I want you guys to write down is this is a huge hint in the, in the changing of the calendar. Because at this point, the, the new year is Rosh Hashanah. It's the only calendar they had. The first moon was in, was in the fall. They had been counting for, for 2,000 years, every moon, starting from the one in the fall. All right? This is a clue as to where we are on that calendar, and it's going to be important in two more chapters. You're going to see it. We're going to revisit this. This is very critical. It's a verse that's almost out of place, but the reason God mentioned it is because the barley was smitten, the wheat and the spell were not in bloom yet. Mm -hmm. But that's only where. 931. That's only where was Israel's barley smitten? Not no. in Goshen. No, not in Goshen. Not in Goshen. No. Not in Goshen. So there's the, the, the sideways, the, the thing that we can infer from verse 31 is not only the time of year, 
but the fact that Israel had barley and they're going to need it. And they're going to use it. And it's going to be very important. <laughs> That's why that verse is there. All right. It's not an incidental verse that has no weight or meaning. It has, it's, it's heavy, has a lot of weight and meaning to it. That's kind of what I wanted you to make note of. Right. Yeah. Pretty well. He spread forth his hands unto Yahweh, the thunders and the hail ceased. Rain, it didn't rain on the earth. And when Paro saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Paro was strengthened. There it's in the passage. His heart was strengthened. And he did not let B'nai Israel go as Yahweh spoke, had spoken by Moshe. So here it's in the passage. So what do you think that means? Do you think that it just sort of waxed strong or do you think that God did it again? doesn't say that. Hmm. Maybe it's what Tracy had said, uh, that it was just the time, the passage of time. Yeah. Well, and, and a reprieve. Mm -hmm. he got a mm -hmm. reprieve from the hail and that's all he wanted mm -hmm. right and God had and given him strength after the previous plague God had given him strength and I think he just kind of thought okay well you know we're good it's, it's kind of like when when we human beings think only about what's happening to us today tomorrow next week and we don't think about eternity we don't think about wow. you know we get happy with, okay, everything's fine now. And we don't even think what's going to, how is that guy that says, I got everything, my barn's full. Little did he know that tonight his life would be required of him. We forget what's really important, our eternity. Yeah. And I think too, you got to remember this in effect up here when he told Moshe, I have sinned. That's effectively a prayer to the God of the heavens that Pharaoh knew was better than he. He just so prideful he didn't want to admit it he effectively prayed to the god of the heavens and got what he wanted the hail stopped that's all he wanted people do that with god all the time they pray they get their prayers answered and then they mosey on down the trail like right. god's just their little their, their little trinket their little yeah. elf on the shelf mm. wow a talisman a lot of people use god like a talisman Hmm. Just fix my problems. Bo, come. All right. Bayomer Yawel Moshe Bo El Paro. Ki Ani Hikbadati. So God is saying, I have heavied his heart. I have made his heart stubborn, hardened his heart. In this case, it kind of fits. And the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs in the midst of them, that you may tell in the ears of your son and of your son's son that I have what I have wrought, excuse me, upon me to ride. And my signs, which I have done among them, that you may know that I am Yahweh. So this is Elohim, God speaking to Moshe, telling him, I've shown Egypt all my signs, 
Tell it in the ears of your son and your son's son that you may know. How would telling your son and your son's son make you know that he is Yah? It's the confession. Yeah. What'd you say, Joe? It's a confession. Bingo. There's power in us telling what God has done. Us telling someone else the Passover story strengthens our faith. Us telling our children the Passover story strengthens our faith. All right? They will overcome by the blood of the lamb and by what? Hmm. The word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. The word of their Yeah. So it's important that we talk about what God has done. Not only, I think, first and foremost, what he has done in the scriptures. But I think coming behind that with what he's done for us is just as valid. Mm -hmm. I did this. I did that once. Now, probably some of you have probably heard this. And I don't want to sound, I'm boasting in God because trust me. I'm just a dude, you know, but it was that time my brother called me, my deceased brother now, but this was 28 years ago when he called me on a Wednesday night, he was down in Evadale. I lived in Kirbyville, about 20 miles, maybe 30 miles north of there. And he called me and asked me to go to the hospital with him in Port Arthur, which I think at the time, I think from Kirbyville, that's about two, two, two and a half hours, maybe Melanie, Port Arthur. Yeah, two and a half hours. Uh, maybe not quite that far, I don't know. Two hours, yeah, to, uh, to Port Arthur, because it's about an hour to Beaumont, and then you gotta go further than that to get to Port Arthur. And there's not a freeway to get there from there. So, um, so I didn't wanna go. It's a Wednesday night. I got to get up early to go to work the next morning. I didn't want to go, but my brother called me and asked me to go pray for this, his friend's grandfather. So I go, I, I am talking on the phone. I tell my brother, hi, it's, it's late. It was like eight or nine o'clock already on a Wednesday night. That was a, that was going to mean that I was going to get home at two in the morning at the earliest. And I thought, no, I don't want to do this. And I heard the voice go through my head. I'm not saying God spoke, but I, Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, the word of God traveled through my mind. The verse, if a man asks you to walk for with a mile, walk for him a mile, go with him too. If he asks you for your shirt, give him your coat as well. And I said, all right, David, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I hung up the phone, kissed the wife and left. I had to pick my brother and his friend up because they didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. I picked him up in Evadale and I drive them to Port Arthur we go into the room. I uh, we, we I sit there and just meet the old man who's lying on a hospital bed. They're planning to do lung surgery. They're going to take out his left lung the next day. That's what I was there to pray for. There, David introduces me. I introduce myself. I meet the old man, his wife, his son, and his grandson. That's who was in the room, and me and my brother and his friend, the, the, uh, the man's other grandson, who was David's age, okay? So then my brother starts to speak, and he gets, all, he gets all pious all of a sudden, and David hasn't been living a righteous life, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
And I did exactly what I'm talking about here. I spoke things that God had done in the word about people who were specifically healed in the word. I can't remember exactly. I think the woman who touched his tzitzit, I talked about her, the man at the Yaffa gate. I believe those are at least two that I talked about. And then I mentioned that God had healed my wife um, when she had pleurisy and had healed me when I had that sore throat. I told them Bible stories and my story. And then I looked that old man in the eye and I said, he doesn't love me anymore and he loves you. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask Abba to, to do this for you. And I went out and put my hand on his left lung, didn't say a word in my mind. I spoke to God. I opened my eyes and everybody in the room is, is in tears, especially the old man's son, who's about probably 40 years old. And uh, I leave. And the next day I get the call from my brother who's beside himself. Sounds like he's about to wet his pants. Oh my gosh, Daniel, we're here at the hospital. You, you're not going to believe it. And the short of it is he went on and rattled all this stuff. And the short of it is they let, they sewed that man back up. They opened him up, didn't find cancer and they sewed him back up. And they said they had done MRIs, cat, all the standard procedures that were available at the time to find the cancer. They were 99.9% .9 sure of the cancer and they sewed the man back up. And, and David's friend was thanking me. And I'm like, don't thank me. Don't, when you tell this story, don't say my name. You say his name. I didn't do it. You know, and I'm saying all of that because I believe there is something to that when we link our story to the biblical narrative. Yeah. Yeah. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. Tell them what I have done. Mm -hmm. That you may know. Every time I tell that, it upbraids my own faith. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're a human being, your faith is going to be weak at some, some point. Oh, yeah. And be challenged. Mm -hmm. You want your faith built? Talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Talk about it. That's so good. They went in and they told... Pharaoh, what Yah had said, Yahweh the Elohim of the Urim, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Yes, Pharaoh had a hard heart. Yes, Pharaoh was stubborn. Yes, Pharaoh was destined for this. But would God say this to him if it were not possible and expected that he humbled himself? No. Not going to waste these words if that man can't humble himself. Right, right. He, he he can, but he chooses not. He can, but he chooses not to. Yes, God strengthened his heart. Yes, God picked him for this purpose. God saw the end from the beginning and knew that it was going to go all the way. But at any moment, it could have changed, and Israel could have been free, and God could have been God to the world. He was already mm -hmm. God, but the world would have known. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I said on Shabbat. The power of God is in repentance. And, mm -hmm. and, a, and a person being humbled by God through his word. Pharaoh couldn't be, it couldn't be done. It took, and of course, we know the story. We've got prescient knowledge, so we're going to get there. But it took, finally, 
to the point where God starts taking people from him when he says, let my people go. But even then he wasn't done. Even then he wasn't completely contrite and humbled, right? Right. No. So the next plague is locusts. Let the men go that they may serve Yahweh their Elohim. Do you not yet know that Mitzrayim is destroyed? So Pharaoh's men are there. They got there. At least to the point where they believe that they couldn't win, right? Moshe and Aaron were brought again unto Paro, and he said unto them, Go, serve Yahweh your Elohim, but who are they that shall go? And Moshe said, We'll go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, our flocks, and our herds, everything we have. We're going to go. Hard thing. <laughs> you that are men, go now, you that are men, and serve Yahweh, for, what, for that is what you desire. And they were driven out from his presence. So Pharaoh said, Only the men go. No, uh, not everybody's going. Am I reading that right? Yeah. Can I go back up? Yeah. Where it says, where they're going to hold the chad. Um, yeah. Of course, we know they did, he didn't get the instructions, but uh, they had these. They, they knew about holding a celebration. I mean, they, God, you know. God told them they were going to hold a chad to him in the wilderness. And at this point, this is we, talking we, about Passover. Well, they don't yeah. know that, but they don't know it yet. But, right. But but they do know that they're going to go hold a festive occasion to God. Mm -hmm. They do know that. They've been told that. We read that a couple of weeks ago or last week. I can't remember which. But they do so know it, that. So it appears that it took a long time, not a long time, but you know, it took a, 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 some time to get to here. And then now now it's going do 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 do. It's kind of going in a fast motion. Well, right, I hold you back here in the last chapter yeah. that we're two weeks out. Right, two weeks out. So now it's starting to go faster. Yeah. That's like I said, it could have been three months, but I think it's kind of six months because cleaning up after the frogs, you know, the things that died, the, the locusts, all, there were messes to clean up. After that, all the all that locust bodies, dust in their houses, and the flies, the dead flies in their houses, and all of that. It could have been three months. I just think it probably was six, but I could be wrong. We we'd have to look closer at it. But I just wanted us to know it's not ten days, certainly. Right. But here we're two weeks out at least, so that's more than ten days, right? Right. All right. So yeah, we're up to the locusts. And then we go to the darkness. We know that the locust happened. Where does that happen? Okay. They went all over Mitzrayim, in all the borders. They were very grievous. They'd never seen so many locusts before. They covered the face of the whole earth. The land was darkened. And they, the locusts ate every herb of the land, all the fruit trees that the hail left. And there remained not any green thing. In all of Mitzrayim, then Paro called for Moshe and said, in haste, and he said, I have sinned again. There he goes again. Mm -hmm. I've sinned against Yahweh and against you. Thou therefore forgive my sin only this once. 
and entreat Yahweh your Elohim that he may take away this from me this death only. And he went out and entreated, and Yahweh turned, and the exceedingly strong west wind took up the locusts and drove them into Yom Suf, cleaned them out all, you know, so they're not having to clean up. God's doing it. Mm -hmm. Yahweh strengthened Paro's heart, and he did not let the Israel go. Got one more plague. And then the final plague. Mm -hmm. And the next one is darkness, which may be felt. Eesh. You ever been in a dark place like that? No. Carlsbad Cavern. That's pretty dark. Mm -hmm. um, a torpedo, torpedo tube. 400 feet below the ocean with the with the breach door shut behind you mm -hmm. that's a dark place oh, no. <laughs> i have been there <laughs> that's a dark place but i you can't feel it and i don't know what i don't know what it means i, I didn't experience this i don't know if it's just poetic expression it may be but the point is it's utter Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. Moshe stretched his hand toward heaven and there was thick darkness in all the land for three days. They could not see one another. Huh. That means their lamps wouldn't come on in their houses. Do you realize that? They didn't see each other. It wasn't that it was dark outside and they had their little candles in their houses. No light. There was zero light in Egypt. Not able to strike a match to light exactly. a candle. Well, I mean, a picture of hell, really. Yeah. Outer darkness. Yeah. yeah. They could not see one another. They could not even get up from his place for three days. In other words, you didn't want to move. Hmm. Go serve Yahweh, only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones go also with you. And Moshe said, you must also give our land into our hand. Zevachim and Olot, sacrifices. All right. That we may sacrifice unto Yahweh our Elohim. Our cattle shall go with us. Not one hoof will be left behind. I love that. For thereof we must take to serve Yahweh our Elohim. In other words, he was trying to hold back what they were going to bring to God to offer to him. In, in a feast and Moshe said nope and Yah strengthened his heart again and he would not let them go get and I love this get away from me take heed to yourself see my face no more for in the day you see my face you shall die mm. you have spoken well mm. I will see your face again no more so Moshe knew we're done. We have reached the end of it. And I think, did not God say that Pharaoh was going to tell him what his fate would be? Didn't we read that verse? I, I don't remember, but I think we talked about it before. I think he did. And I think this is what he's talking about. 
Yet one plague more will I bring upon Paro and upon Mitzrayim, Pharaoh in Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go. When he does, he shall surely thrust you out altogether. Speak now in the ears of the people and let them ask every man of his neighbor, talking about Jews to Egyptians, every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. He gave the people favor in the sight of Mitzrayim. Moreover, the man Moshe was very great in the land of Mitzrayim in the sight of Paro's servants and in the sight of all the people. So Moshe had gained a reputation and the people... were granted favor because of what was going on. In other words, the people of Egypt, okay, they're done. They're, they're, they fear. They're ready for this to be over with. Mm-hmm. And they give over their wealth. Here, just take it. <laughs> hey, y'all leave. Yeah. <laughs> About midnight, I will go out into the midst of Mitzrayim, and all the firstborn in the land shall die. Firstborn of Paro, Firstborn of the maidservant, so very top, very bottom, and all the firstborn of the cattle. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Mitzrayim. I want to look at five. Yeah. Bechor Bema. The firstborn of the beast it says cattle. That's relatively true, but it could be all mammals, all four-footed beasts. Yeah, like all the livestock they kept. Yeah. Could be cattle for a simple fact that they worshiped cows. Yeah. Now, when it and when it came down to, it says in Mitzrayim this happened, but we know of course the instruction of the blood over the doorpost and things of that nature. God could have just like He didn't let anything happen to them. He, he He could have easily just let nothing happen to them. But the whole foreshadowing of the sacrifice that we would know today through Messiah with the blood of the Lamb and the things of that nature to carry it out is, like you said, the whole point of this is for that hog right there. Yeah. The the difference between this one and the last six is that this one is going to touch Israel too. All right. Let's back Mm -hmm. up to the darkness. Did you see where God distinguished? Did he distinguish Israel from Egypt in the plague of darkness. Right. Yes. All of Israel had light in their dwellings. Mm -hmm. All right. So he distinguished them from plague four to eight, four, Mm -hmm. five, six, seven, eight. So that's five, right? Because the first three Israel was touched by. Up to, so this is nine. Nine, right. I was going to say, that's the last, right. that's before the, the, the death. This is nine, so it's six. 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's six plagues that Israel is not touched by. Right. When we get to this one, Israel has to prepare for it too. It's all the firstborn of everything in all the land. Okay. All right. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land, such as there has been none like it or shall be like it anymore. And that's specific to Egypt, I believe. But against any of B'nai Israel shall not a dog wet his tongue against man or beast, that you may know that Yahweh does put a difference between Mitzrayim and Israel. I want to look at that word, that phrase right there. It's Yafle. Yahweh being Mitzrayim of Israel. Yahweh. That is rooted in the same word as Pele, Yoet, El Gibor, Aviad, Sar, Shalom. It does mean a difference, but it's also a, an amazement, a wonder. It's also one of the names of Messiah. Wow. So, you could say that this is beginning to hint that Messiah is going to distinguish Egypt from Israel mm -hmm. or Israel from Egypt. You getting my point? Yes. And then eventually Israel from the whole world. Exactly. All your servants shall come and down unto me and bowed down unto me saying get out all the people that follow you and after i will go out and he went out from paro in hot anger so moshe was mad <laughs> wow yeah well, i said unto moshe paro will not hearken unto you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of mitzrayim moftai is the word for wonders here my wonders. And Moshe and Aaron did all these wonders before Paro. And Yahweh hardened Paro's heart. So this time Yah is doing it. And it's Yehazek. Yeah. And he did not send out Bnei Israel from his land. It's 8.30, and we have reached chapter 12, which is huge. So I think I want to go on and go into it because we've got 30 minutes left. But this is, this is the beginning of Passover. So this is where the barley that we, that we saw destroyed in Egypt but standing in Goshen is imported. And Yahweh spoken to Moshe and Aaron. In the land of Mitzrayim, saying, This Chodesh, Ha Chodesh Hazeh. Now, most of you on this call know exactly what that is, but I want you to lock it in and get it clarified in your head that this is the crescent new moon. It's, it's not a month. The concept of a month preset by a calculation did not exist at this point. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. You're saying he's not talking about a 30-day period. He's talking about a day when the new month begins. 
Right. Ha-chodesh hazeh. This chodesh. Mm-hmm. We just determined that we were in the Aviv, right? Right. Yes. So they had just observed a chodesh. And the Jews probably counted it as the seventh chodesh. Hmm. Because the calendar up to this point began counting months or chodeshes in the fall with Yom Teruah slash Rosh Hashanah. I talked about that on Shabbat, didn't I? Yes. So Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year at this point. It's the only counting of Hadashim or Chodashim, Chodashim, Chodashes. <laughs> I have to try to make English speakers understand it. It's the only counting going on in the Bible right now, up to Exodus 12. The month, every month you see is, is reckoned from Rosh Hashanah. Is that clear to everybody? Yes. Got it. There's not a calendar on the wall. They count moons. The first moon was Yom Teruah, even though they themselves did not know yet it was Yom Teruah. That's why it was called the beginning of the year. The first day of the first month was in the fall. That's the point that I'm trying to drive home. Okay. We're six months from that. We've just spotted the barley, right? Yes. That happens six months after the new year. It doesn't matter, dear. I'm just speaking in general. Melanie's asking how many years. At this point, yeah, Melanie, we're, we're 2,000 years into the clock of man, but the primary thing I'm pointing out is the first month up to this point in the Bible, yes, for 2,000 years, was Rosh Hashanah. Now, God is saying this month, this seventh month is the first month. Is everybody with me on that? Yeah. Yes. It's important that you understand it. The seventh month becomes the first month. That gives us two calendars. The Jewish people did not stop tracking time from Adam by marking those years on Rosh Hashanah. That would have put the clock off because it would have been six months later. Is everybody clear? Mm -hmm. Counting time on a on a on what we call a calendar is done from Adam on Rosh Hashanah. That's mm-hmm. why it is still legitimate to call a Yom Teruah Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the beginning of the year. It's the beginning of the year for tracking prophetic time and the history of man. Okay. I believe that the that God allowed the calendar to be muddled because he doesn't want us to know exact dates but he has left us enough evidence especially in the word of god so that we can know the times and the seasons all right but what he's doing here is going forward from exodus 12 to the end of the book when you see first month you are now talking about the spring
when if you're reading from Genesis 1 to Exodus 11 and you see the first month, you're talking about the fall. Mm -hmm. If you see the seventh month from Genesis 1 to Exodus 11, that's the spring. Everybody clear? Yeah. It's flipping the calendar. The spring has become the new year and it's for sacred purposes. For new years, for 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 festival observance. Mm -hmm. So God is giving them a sacred calendar to go along with the chronological calendar. Right. So for the purpose of the feast, of the uh for the purpose of tracking the feast and setting the feast, the feast days. So Genesis 1 through Exodus 11th, the first month is considered Rosh Hashanah. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Rosh Hashanah is the first month up to that point. Okay. Um, hereafter, Rosh Hashanah is the seventh month. Passover is the first month. Okay. Rosh Hashanah was not given to us in the scriptures back in Genesis 6 when God flooded the earth. We didn't, we didn't know that the first month would be Rosh Hashanah if we were blindly just reading the Torah from the beginning. Are you with me? Yeah. But our Jewish people did know that it was the beginning of the year. That's where they tracked it from was creation. Now God is saying, this is the new year for you. And from going forward, anytime you see the first month, you're seeing Passover, you're seeing the spring. Anytime you see any number relative to the first month, it's relative to Passover and not Rosh Hashanah going forward. Um, that's good. Right. All right. I want everybody to understand that because some people read those numbered months in Genesis and they get it wrong in their head and they're in the wrong time of the year entirely. Mm -hmm. And a lot of Messianic people completely and utterly dismiss Rosh Hashanah and say that's a Jewish holiday. God, the first month is Nisan. Well, yes, I agree. But so is Rosh Hashanah when I'm talking about prophecy. So the reason I'm hammering on this and walking through it as slowly and being repetitive is because I want you to understand this when we start studying prophecy. When we get out of the Torah and really start studying prophecy, our frame of reference for prophetic events is Rosh Hashanah. Our frame of reference for festival events is Passover. Okay. Everybody got it? Yes. That's good. I've been confused about that before. So that's really, yeah, that's good. Write that down. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. I don't know if y'all know what movie I'm quoting. <laughs> Guess that movie and I'll give you a cookie on Shabbat. <laughs> oh. Write that down. Y'all don't know what movie that is? <laughs> I thought that was just you. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's one of my that's one of my favorite movies. Write that down. <laughs> Is it My Brother Where Art Thou? No. Oh, okay. No. I know I've heard that. Yeah. I, I know you have too. It's you ringing can. a bell. <laughs> I know you have too. It's a great movie. All right. So so we've established that the first Chodesh is Passover for tracking feasts. So that's what God is doing here. This will be the beginning of Hadashim. 
We would say it in English, Chodeshes, new moons. All right. It shall be the first Chodesh of the year to you. Speak unto all the assembly of Israel, saying, mm -hmm. In the tenth day of this Chodesh, they shall take to them every man. So we had the locusts right after the hail, right? Okay. We had two plagues after the hail where the barley was smitten. We had two plagues in a period of ten days. Right? We had the locusts yeah. and the darkness. Darkness for three days. So the locust thing took four days at least. The darkness thing took three days, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the guys who had to walk from Pharaoh to Moshe to get him to turn on the dark, turn off the darkness? No, I can't even imagine. Look, you realize that somebody had to do that? Yeah, because they didn't have phones, right? They didn't have phones. <laughs> they didn't have light. They, lighting a torch didn't work. They had to just find their way to Moshe. He's probably crying out, Moshe, Moshe. <laughs> Wherefore art thou? Wow. Yeah. But can you imagine when they got to Goshen and they had light? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'd be like, I am not going back. I'm staying over here. <laughs> that probably some of that happened. <laughs> That's I why they, they left the mixed multitudes, right? But the, yeah, but the thing is, they didn't know they had light there. They couldn't see it. It was only in the Israeli homes. It says they had light in their dwellings. But when oh. they got near the Moshe, they saw they had light. They saw he had it in his house, but they couldn't see it from Egypt. Right, wow. right. All right. So in the 10th day, you shall take unto every man a lamb, according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if it's too little, and he and his neighbor next to his house shall take one according to the number of the souls, or according to every man's eating shall you make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the firstborn year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same Chodesh. So from day 10 to day 14, and the whole of the congregational assembly of Israel shall kill it at dusk. They shall take of the blood and put it on the two side posts and on the lintel upon the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and matzo with merorim. They shall eat it. Eat not of it raw. That's the bitter herbs. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, its head with its legs and with the inwards thereof. You shall not let, you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, but that which remains of it, you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Pesach unto Yavah. For I will go through the land of Mitzrayim in that night, and I will smite all the firstborn of the land both man and beast, and against all the gods of Mitzrayim, I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. I want to read that in the Hebrew. Got to go back up a little bit. 
והיה הדם לכם לאות על הבתים אשר אתם שם, וראיתי את הדם, and I will see the blood, ופסחתי. So Passover, Pesach becomes a verb here. Pasachti. I will pass over. You see Pesach there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Pasach means pass over, to cross over, to go over. To, to go, go over. <laughs> so Ever or Avar means to go across, but Passover means to do this. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. All right. There shall no plague be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Mitzrayim. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall celebrate it as a Chag unto Yahweh throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it as a Chag by an ordinance forever. What day is he talking about right here? Um, Feast of Matzot. No, I didn't see anything about Matzot yet, except we're going to eat Matzot with the Passover lamb. What day? What day of the week? What day of the year? What day are we talking about? What day of the month is this? This is important. My wife said it. The 14th. The 14th day. Right. We have not mentioned the 15th day yet. Am I right? No, we haven't. I just remember them saying he did with, in haste with Matsot that night. I know, but we haven't called the day Matsot yet. That's why I'm making you stop and think. Okay? Yes, sir. The day that we're talking about, the only day in the month that we have mentioned, that we've mentioned two days, the 10th day. What happens on the 10th day? You bring the lamb in. Bring the lamb in. Keep it up until... The 14th day. Keep it unto the 14th day. You, everybody on this call knows, but anybody watching later at a later time may not realize, biblical days start when? In the evening. In the evening. So up on the 10th day... You can do that in the light of the 10th day. That's the second part of the day, right? Mm-hmm. So in the second part of the 10th day, go get you a lamb and bring it into your house, right? You're holding it from that day, 10, 11, 12, 13. For four days, you're holding it because on the 14th day, keep it unto the 14th day. That's in verse six. Uh, verse six, where is it? Is that verse six? Yeah, let me go back and read it. Hayalachem, the Mishmeret Ad Arba'a Asar. Arba'a Asar is Yom. Those three words right there are saying the 14th day. Mm-hmm. Day four and 10. Mm-hmm. Got that? Yeah. Day four and 10. Le Mishmeret, to guard 
And there is the operative word, ad. That word in this context means up to and not beyond. Oh, up to. Up to and not beyond. So what is up to the 14th day? 13th day. The end the of the 13th day. When does the end of the 13th day happen? Uh, right before nightfall on the 13th. At dusk. At dusk. You shall kill it. All, the whole congregation of Israel, so Ad and Bain Ha'arabaim, I want you to learn. Do y'all need me to transliterate those for you? Yes. Between? Between the evenings. Evenings. Yep. So let me get a sheet of paper up. Why that telling me no? Joe, you alive? Sir. You done eating? Sir. <laughs> My computer is thinking too much. Come on. Where's my palette? Why is it so slow? Because you in the hurry. And I'm and, and I'm on video with 90 million people watching. <laughs> Come on. Where's my palette? <laughs> Need to change my passwords now. Y'all just saw. Oh, I didn't even fit this. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't looking. I can't yeah. remember my own. You even got to worry about yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone could do a screen snag. <laughs> Some criminal watching could do a screen snag. Yeah, it's on video. You definitely need to change it. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, there it is finally. All right. So all right. I think I actually have changed most of them since that was done. <laughs> um odd pronounced odd, not add.
Literally, literally, that's between the evenings. When is dusk? When the sun goes down. Just exactly. Sun goes down. Still a little bit light left. It's dropped over the horizon, but there is still light. That's dusk. You cannot see the disk of the sun, but you still mm. see the light. That's mm. dusk. That's when day ends and night begins. As soon as dusk is done, night has begun, right? So mm -hmm. there's this between time that is called bain ha'arabain, between the evenings. Okay? okay? And that always means dusk. All right? So let me change the font here. I want to show you bain ha'arabain in Hebrew. I'll put it on here too. So once the dusk, once the light hits, the disc is gone, now we're in between the dusk, and it's between that time and when it's no more light. That's in between the evenings. Yes, that's dusk. The whole of the congregation shall, shall kill it at dusk. So, so when that sun disk has gone below the horizon, Take the knife to the lamb. All right. And that is the beginning of the 14th day. This is critical. That's the beginning of the 14th day up to the 14th day. Right? At dusk, kill it. So is that on the is that on the cusp between the fourteenth and the fifteenth day, or on the cusp between the thirteenth and the fourteenth? Pardon my my, I'm confused. Thirteenth and fourteenth, okay. up to and not beyond the fourteenth day, not into all up to. Odd oh. means odd means bump up against it. That's mm -hmm. all it means. I get it. So you got that little light right there. Two, and not. Up to and not into the 14th day? That's not what you said, was it? Up to and not beyond. beyond. Not, not beyond. Wow. It's another thing I've always been confused about. Everybody is about this. This was this is a tough one to work out, and we're going to spend some time on it because I want everybody understanding it. Ben Ha'arabayim, Erev is evening. Ayim is a double. Bain means between. Ben Ha'arabayim. The Erev is that little slice of time. Ben Ha'arabayim is that little slice of time on, at the beginning, between the 13th day and the 14th day between the 13th day and the 14th day, that's when you kill it. You got enough time to slice its neck. And then you got to dress it. And that's going to take you up to about midnight. You're going to eat it about midnight on Passover. Because as I remember, it takes about six hours for a lamb to cook. Roasted in fire, cooked all the way through. All right. Maybe three hours. But anyway, you're doing, you're beginning that at night. It's at night when you're doing it. But it's important that you understand. Let me see if I can find a way to do this right quick. 
So am I, the, am I way off base, but it struck me from the 10th really to the 13th, that's three days. No, it's not. That's a significant three. No, it's not. To the end of the 13th from the 10th, three days? No, no, it's not. You're just not thinking correctly. That's all, I promise. I've gone through this a thousand times. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be the first time today. From the 10th up to the 14th, how many days is that? Four. Up to and not beyond. So this line is dusk. That's when you kill it. Our proof of this, because the reason I'm hammering on this, and we're almost out of time, but the reason I'm hammering on this is because our Jewish people do it differently. This is the one feast, the one that they've moved. Is it a coincidence that the Pharisees move this feast about 200 years before Yeshua shows up and fulfills this feast? You think that's a coincidence? No. I had to use my fingers. I figured it out. You're right. Of course you're right. But <laughs> <laughs> it's that evening that gets you. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. We, we start from 10 and go 11, 12, 13, but you're supposed to count 10. 10, 11, 12, 13. That's four days. Okay. But the important thing is, even if you, because you're not, you're probably not going to get that lamb unless you go out, could go out. Maybe they did go out at evening and get the lamb. That's probably when they should have done it because that's the beginning of the day, right? Mm -hmm. But even if they didn't, you're still up the, to the, right. stops right there. Because mm -hmm. on the 10th day, it's, got, it's going to be in your house. So that's 10, 11, 12. 13 is in your house for days. Right. And so in all likelihood on the evening they went and got it. And four evenings later they killed it. The reason this is important is because this interpretation of these verses is fixed by Yeshua. And you're going to see that. We're, we're going to look at that next week. This interpretation of these verses, which is different from what the rabbis are teaching Jewish people, is resolved by our rabbi Yeshua. And we're going to see that. Some of you probably know exactly what that is. But he resolves it. There is argument over it. There is argument in the rabbinic community. There are some little slices of Judaism that do it our way. In Yeshua's day, the common people and the Sadducees did it this way. The Pharisees and the elites did it the way that our Jewish people today still do it. It was not universal in Messiah's day. In the Jewish community, the way the rabbis do it today is universal because 
they have completely severed from Messiah, and they basically, the victors wrote the history, right? They won out in the Jewish community. They were successful in driving the Messianic community out and driving a wedge between Messianic Jews and, and, and Jews. And so all Jews believe it. Most of them believe it this way. Um, Karaite Jews, I think, are, are different. I think the Karaites who are Arabic, they are Jewish people who live in Arabic lands, I think do it this way. But what I want you to see is next week we're going to look at it. Yeshua confirms this interpretation of what we just read. All right. Questions, thoughts, comments. Very good. I want you guys to be able to, to articulate this. I don't want newbies coming to me asking me questions. <laughs> hey, I was on, on mute when you said uh, asking any questions, but I just wanted to say that was good the way you broke that down. Well, thank you, sir. And I muted you because you were clacking on your keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, um, I just didn't want you to be offended by that. I wasn't trying oh, no. to get you up. <laughs> no, never. never. <laughs> I, sometimes I forget to go into mute when I get back to typing notes. Sorry yeah. about that. That's okay. So um, th this is critical to understand, and, and you can articulate it when you get it thought about sufficiently, when you understand these terms. And we have more to look at in this chapter starting next week in chapter 12. We have more to look at, and it is tricky. So I need you to have your thinking hat on next week and be ready for it because it is tricky. It's a lot to work out. And there's other scriptures that are involved in finally resolving all of this and, and showing you why we keep it the way that we keep it. Mm -hmm. But this is the beginning of that argument. And this, to me, alone settles when we should have Passover. All right. Kill it in yeah. that night. All right, let's go back to this. At dusk, they shall eat the flesh in that night. What night? The 14th, the beginning of the 14th. If I, if I went up to the 14th and killed it at yeah, dusk, fine. what is the night that I'm going to eat it in? The 14th, like Joe said, yep. Right there. That's the night time. The day of the 14th follows. Yeah. I'm going to eat it in that night because our Jewish people today eat it. Actually, they don't even eat it then. They eat it right there. So the night of the 15th. Yeah. Mm. that's when our Jewish people are having their Passover Seder. That's when the Pharisees were having it in Yeshua's day when Yeshua had his right here. <clears throat> mm -hmm. That's you right. Messiah, that's the barometer all the time. So I want you guys to understand this, be able to articulate it. Shoot. 
up to the 14th day, eat it in that night is not the night of the 15th. It's the night of the 14th. Mm -hmm. okay, we're going to leave oh, it yeah, there. So clear. In my mind, it's utterly clear just from what we've read so far. And it becomes mm -hmm. even more crystal clear when you read the rest of the scriptures about it. But mm -hmm. our Jewish people, because rabbis have come along and for some reason they changed it. I think they just didn't want to work at night. I think they were tired and they wanted to go home. So they said, hey, let's kill it right here at three o'clock. And then we can eat it early and we can go to bed. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that's oh. That's oh, because to have, but to have, because to have done it um, the other way, they would have. It would have been a late night. It yeah, be very late. I think they were just being lazy, and they decided we're going to move it. And since we're the rabbis, we can do it. Hmm. It takes time to to skin it, gut it, and all that stuff. It's yeah, you won't get that done just in a couple of minutes. Yeah, that's gonna. You're gonna slice its neck right here, and it's gonna That'll take a while. That's about six o'clock in March in Israel. That's about six o'clock in the spring. All right. So yeah, you started dressing that darn thing at six o'clock. That's gonna take you a little bit, right, Joe? Well, it's first. It's got to bleed out. Exactly. And then you got to hang it and, well, I don't know how they did it, but, you know, skin it they out. It. It, it. They, they tied it up on a stake like this, pulled his legs apart, and over a spit, over the fire. And before they started the fire, they dressed it. And they took the guts out and they put it up on the head because mm -hmm. they were told to cook. We're going to talk about this next week. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But yeah, that's how they did it. So the, the point that I want to make, it does. It takes time. They probably didn't start eating at least until 10 o'clock. And then they had to eat the whole darn thing. And the matzah, they had to bake the matzah as well. I'm not a baker. I don't know how long it takes to cook matzah, but you got to knead the dough. You got to stick it in the oven. You got to let it cook. I think eating at 10 o'clock would be conservative. I think I you're right. Probably closer to uh, probably closer to midnight. I've heard it probably take you all the way to midnight. Yeah, just to start the meal. And anyway, there's going to be crying out all over Egypt and in Israel for people who didn't believe God. There's going to be wailing. You're going to be up anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that is, I get excited about this because I want everybody to understand it, but we have to stop. Any any other thoughts or questions or comments? No. That was good. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. looking forward. Okay, Aminu Malkeinu, in the name of your Son, Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach, we give thanks for your Word. We ask you to correct our error. We thank you for correcting us. We thank you for teaching us. We ask you to continue to strengthen us by your Word. We ask you, Abba, that you shed your light on your Word. And uh, we ask you to help us to reveal to others your truth. Amen. We thank you for it. We pray for our whole congregation that you keep us all safe and that you be with us when we assemble on Shabbat. Mishim Mishim Mashiach.
Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. In the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayat ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.